Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your, your homework and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in-depth than anything you've probably taken in high school and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college, okay? And you can do this all socially distance from home you know we're all stuck in our houses under these uh lockdown restrictions and you know some of your schools aren't open well this is a great way to learn a new skill maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up so what i need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code fiction get you 10% off. He offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code FICTION, and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits, black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you can find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, broadcasting once again deep behind enemy lines south of the border. I changed the view up a little bit. You know, I've been struggling with the video for these interviews. And the reason you had, you're seeing me right now is because I have a very special guest that I'm excited to have on. I think this is going to be a great interview, but I've been playing around with the lighting and I, I don't have a good room to do this in because everything's just so open and there's echoes and there's waves crashing in the background and people playing in the pool. It's a really tough life down here in Puerto Vallarta, but right, what you're seeing behind me is the view from behind my place, from my bedroom here, the master bedroom. And I think it's gonna look pretty cool, um, at least in, until nighttime when the light starts reflecting off of it. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, um, I am delighted to bring on another guest. His name is Alan Stevo, and he has a book on a topic that you guys know I've been going crazy about. It gets people on both sides of the issue all fired up. You have people that are very pro-mask and very anti-mask. And this guy has a book with the answer to all of those people out there that want to get through their life without having to wear a mask every time they leave their house. His name is Alan Stevo, author of Face Masks in One Lesson. Alan, what's going on? Welcome to the show. <laughs> what's behind you? It looked like a nice scene behind you when yeah, it was lighter. Yeah, this is um, I'm in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, right now, actually. Beautiful. So this is the view from my uh, bedroom behind the condo here. I was saying in the intro, I've been playing around with different rooms to podcast here, and it's just so difficult because everything's wide open. There's echoes. I'm right on the beach, so if I go into the living room, we got waves crashing in the background and kids playing in the pool and it's a real tough life. <laughs> <I got it. laughs> 
<laughs> Good job. Listen, you, you don't, you can't build a life like that overnight. So congratulations on, on making that happen. Yeah. You know, it's, um, honestly, COVID was one of the best things that ever happened to me. <laughs> and I'm counting on you to get me out of these masks. Oh, that, listen, in Mexico, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but, uh, I think I can do it. How's, uh, how's the Spanish? Not as good as it should be. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, Puerto Vallarta is so touristy that they let me get away with way too much English and it's regrettable. I'm thinking about going to some other places in Mexico so that I can actually get completely fluent in it. I'm pretty good, but um, there's a lot of gaps there. Yeah, for sure. And I've been down here long enough where if I was anywhere else in Mexico, I would have it down, I think. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I'd like, I'd like to see how my techniques work in Mexico. Um, I'll give a few suggestions and I'm down. Yeah. Well, you know, there are certain towns, there's a surf town that's like an hour from here where COVID doesn't even exist. I've been there for four or five days. I've never had to put a mask on. I think if you go into like, there's one convenience store out here, that's like their 7-Eleven and that's the only time you got to wear one. And other than that, it's just like normal life. It's unbelievable how much, awesome. how much you, you don't know how much you miss it until you, until you get out there and do it. That's awesome. Where's your audience fall more or less in a. It, it's mostly in the United States. It's about 88% in the U S mm-hmm. and it's mostly people 20 to 34 and mm-hmm. then um, 35 to 60. That's probably like 75% of my audience. Politically, um, libertarian, very libertarian, um, some anarchists. And Gary Johnson or Ron Paul? More Ron Paul. More Ron Paul? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That helps me to target the message a little. Beautiful. But uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Alan Stevo. Tell me a little little bit about yourself. I'll I'll do that. Thank you for having me. Um, I've been writing about 15 years or so about topics of individual liberty. And uh, from time to time, health freedom comes into that. And this year, kind of health freedom issues have been been kind of a big deal. And um, a little bit of 2008 Ron Paul, 2012 Ron Paul, 2016. I had the joy of working on Rand Paul 2016. Um, and lots of campaigns in between and lots of activism and writing. And the, the book, I, I've written a book, Face Masks in One Lesson, a lot of that came out of uh, some early writing I did this year at lourockwell.com. I've written 40 or 50 essays there now this year. Um, And uh, the audience, Mr. Rockwell likes to put the writer's email address and instead of there being a a chat function. So it's not a chat function you can just ignore, the feedback you can just ignore. You get in-your-face commentary. If If you mess up, on an important detail, you're going to hear it. They're going to get so you. So it's so nice to keep like, it's it's a great feedback loop for just intellectual consistency. It's really wonderful. So you you and know a lot that, of the big shots then. You you know Dr. Paul, Lou Rockwell, and you you worked on Rand Paul's campaign as well, or worked for him? I, I worked on, in Iowa, the in Iowa I worked for him in 2016, uh, doing some advanced work, uh, doing some phone banking, things like that. It was, um, the campaign didn't go deep into 2016. I think Iowa was the whole, most of the time I spent. Yeah. And how, how did you get into this, this whole world of libertarianism and writing? Where did, the, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, after, uh, after college, I wanted to go teach in Europe for a little bit. I taught English in Slovakia and former Czechoslovakia, and I had some, some indoctrinated ideas in my head from, from college. And you can imagine, you go to a post-communist country, and you start talking about, you know, how great socialism is, and uh, you might hear some opposition to that. Um, and I, uh, I got that through my head enough times that I was like, okay, let's, let's really dig into it. And I, it, it just became a hobby of mine to, to study communism in that region. Um, and I asked as many people as I could every weekend I could, um, every day after school that I could. 
as much about communism as I could and just how to figure out, it, it made no sense to me how, because so many people describing what the fifties were like, or what the seventies were like during these times of hard communism, so many people describing them were just like telling me it all felt so normal. And there's no, there's no moment where it's like, whoa, it all changed all of a sudden. For most people, it's not like that. And I always ask myself, I wish I could live through a little bit of communism just to see what that, that shift looks like. Right. And Ides of March 2020, Ides of March 2020, this dream that I never really wanted to have come true came true a little. And the, 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 the Soviets in the USSR, they were openly atheist. Um, the government was openly atheist. They could never... They could never close down the churches in Russia, in the USSR. Um, the U.S. in this regard has a more advanced communism, a more complete communism than even the USSR had in some regards. Um, totally terrifying to me. And, and this, yeah. I had to be involved. I had to be writing. Um, the book comes out of this. Face Masks in One Lesson comes out of this, this concept here of that writing early in March. Yeah. And I take it you're a big uh, Henry Hazlitt fan? Definitely. <laughs> um, so the book kind of starts. Hazlitt, um, Hazlitt, as you know, and maybe your whole audience knows, maybe some of them don't know, Hazlitt spends a few pages kind of describing economics in his book, Economics in One Lesson. And then he spends uh, a bunch of pages in every kind of scenario saying, and this is how my lesson applies to this. In a similar scenario, I took some key ways to never again wear a face mask. I put those in 10 or 15 pages at the beginning. For quick learners, you don't need to read anything else. Just like Hazlitt, for quick learners, you don't need to read anything else. For slow learners like me, where <laughs> maybe you too, I don't know. I'm, I can tell you I'm a slow learner. I've, yeah. I've accepted that about myself. You know, you might want to read another 200 pages before you, you know, go out and live a more free life. Um, so the rest of the book is for someone like me, and it goes in detail, like, uh, in the grocery store, how do you apply the lesson? Uh, at jury duty, how do you apply the lesson? At the doctor, at the dentist, at the veterinarian, um, at school, at work, um, even on an airplane. How do you make sure you never wear an, a face mask on an airplane again? So it kind of goes through those ideas. Okay. And can you tell us what the one lesson is or does everybody have to buy the book? Oh, sure. no. Listen, if you go to lourockwell.com, find some of my writing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's just, I, I'm happy to put that out there in the world free of charge. I want more people to live a more free life. The book has way more stuff packed into it, uh, is way easier. And But if you want to read through my writing, go to lourockwell.com. You'll find a lot of the stuff there. Search Alan Stevo Grocery. You'll find out how to get into the grocery store. But the lesson is essentially, um, it has multiple parts, but two key parts are you got to ask for the, uh, you got to find that face mask order. So in the U.S., there's 3,000 plus counties and every county public health official, people who no one ever knew before, no one ever cared about, suddenly they become their local tyrant and they all have a little local face mask order. So one thing is just searching your local county and finding that local face mask order. Easy, easy to do. It'll take you 10 minutes to read. Um, and I've read hundreds of them this year. They all are very similar. They all have exemptions a mile wide. You're looking at the face mask order, familiarizing yourself with it, figuring out where you fit into that face mask order. Sonoma County, California has, uh, if, if you have difficulty breathing in a face mask, um, you are exempt. That's a, that's a very wide exemption if you have. Uh, Michigan, under this tyrannical Governor Whitmore, Whitmer that, that so many people despise, there's been so much opposition to her that she was forced to include uh, more exemptions a mile wide. It's, it's things, there's things in the Michigan order like um, uh, if you go to church, you're exempt from wearing a face mask while at church. Preaching a sermon, you, must, you do not need to wear a face mask. Um, uh, if you're delivering a public address, if you're delivering for, uh, speaking on a broadcast, you don't have to wear a face mask. And then they even, you know, the people who, the, the, the technocrats worshiping the state like a god had to put their, their religious worship in as well, exempt from face masks. They made voting. If you vote in Michigan, you don't have to wear a face mask under the order. Oh, yeah, that's voter restriction. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
Yeah. Is this going to be a thing that you're constantly updating? You're going to have to have like multiple volumes of, of how to get away with not wearing a face mask. A friend asked me that last night. Uh, I, I don't know the, what my plan will be there, but the, so in the book, in face masks in one lesson, there's face masks is almost a superficial topic. Um, it goes very in depth about face masks, but the real topic is how do you identify your own boundaries? How do you communicate your own boundaries to others? How do you defend your own boundaries? How do you do that in every situation in life? And it doesn't go through every situation in life, but it, it looks as face, at face masks as kind of training wheels. And if you're going to wear the face mask, you're going to take the vaccine. And you might do worse stuff. And now's a chance to kind of work those muscles. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a trial balloon kind of thing where if we can get them to do this little guy, then, you know, we take the next step up the ladder until next thing you know, they're, they're injecting you with all sorts of shit. And I, I, yeah. I definitely think you're onto something here. So how, cause I get that you can get around technically wearing the mask, but how are people supposed to deal with all of these Karens out there that are going to give them a hard time when they're in the grocery store or you're shopping somewhere? Cause I think that's more of a deterrent than the actual like state coming in and like writing you a ticket or whatever they're going to do. If you're not wearing a mask, it's people don't want to be hassled all the time. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and this is a question. This question is a legitimate question. It's a question of 2020. It's not a question from the year 1920. Like I'm not asking your listeners to, I'm not telling them some story that we're going to ship them over to Europe and they're going to spend some Christmas in a fetid French trench to, uh, to, to protect their freedoms. And I'm not telling them, Hey, you got to storm Omaha beach to protect your freedoms. I'm not saying anything like that, but yeah, maybe someone's going to come up to you and say hurtful things for three minutes. Yeah. Right. That's, there's this phrase, freedom isn't free, and it gets used for all kinds of foreign entanglements. But what this phrase really is about is that sometimes people will push back on your freedoms and, and you just need to be ready to say, this is my boundary. I'm going to be free now. And you can walk away from the Karen. You can engage the Karen. There's, there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, you can speak a foreign language to the Karen. You can, you can, uh, as, as I don't know, maybe six Lou Rockwell readers have, have informed me now. Uh, you can tell the Karen that you only read lips and ask <laughs> her to remove her mask. Right. There's, there's a, you can engage Karen in many ways and there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of fun, especially I start the book by pointing to a study from May, 2020, uh, a CDC journal called Emerging Infectious Disease. It's the CDC Journal of Epidemiology. And this study is the best study of 2020 on face masks. Um, it, it reviews 14 gold standard studies that are uh, uh, randomized controlled trials with laboratory confirmed results. And there's no PCR testing in, these, these, um, in, in any of these. It's, it's laboratory confirmed results. And it's this study just unequivocally says Face masks do not work to protect you from a respiratory virus. This, this isn't what it's meant for. And it goes even further and says people do so many weird, unhygienic things with their face mask. And you yeah. probably can come up with a list of 30 things that you've seen that's like, what? Now you're going to put that on your face? People do so many weird things with it that the World Health Organization has been saying for years, don't treat a face mask like this. We do it so much that it's just a farce to even pretend that this is efficacious. I know. It, it is really unbelievable. Even if, I mean, I've been very critical of the masks for the last like nine months. I've actually done like entire podcasts on how I don't think they do anything, but just the way that we wear them, even if in theory they worked, they weren't designed to like go in the pocket next to my wallet and I'm pulling it out and I'm putting it back in and I'm touching it and I'm touching my face. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. It's sitting out on the counter right now in my kitchen. Like this thing hasn't been washed in two weeks. There's just no way that works. It's impossible. Yeah. Let's take a quick second and thank one of our other sponsors for today's show. And that is Zipix Toothpicks. Guys, if you're ever fighting a nicotine craving and you're in a place where you can't smoke or you can't dip or chewing tobacco is inappropriate or anything like that you're looking for an alternative this is it 
It's a toothpick that's flavored and infused with nicotine. Okay, they've got six different flavors. You can pop them in your mouth whenever you want, chew on them, suck on them, get that nicotine fix that you're looking for without smoking anything, without inhaling anything, without having to spit anything out into a cup, all that disgusting stuff that that people do that turns a lot of people off. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Women do not like guys who smoke, guys who dip, guys who chew. And seeing as most of my listeners, unfortunately, are male, I'm still working on that. And let's say you're out with a beautiful lady and you just had a nice dinner. You have that nicotine craving, but you don't want to go outside and freeze your ass off and come back smelling and tasting like cigarettes. Reach into your pocket, pull out a Zippix toothpick, pop it into your mouth, maybe the whiskey flavored one after a nice steak dinner or something like that. Get your nicotine craving taken care of. It's the great alternative to all of the other tobacco products out there. So if that sounds like something you want to do, if you're looking for a smokeless alternative to all of those other options out there, something that's cheaper than all of the other over-the-counter alternatives, nicotine gum, chewing tobacco, all that stuff, you know, these are going to be cheaper. They're very convenient. You can use them wherever you want, whenever you want, and nobody's even going to know what you're doing. They're going to think you're just picking your teeth or or whatever. So go to ZipixToothpicks.com, use my promo code FICTION, and you'll get 10% off your order. That's Zipix, Z-I-P-P-I-X, Toothpicks.com, promo code FICTION. All right, let's get back into the show. And the study, the study points to things like it's one use only. Uh, if you have, if your hands are not sterilized while putting it on, you must get a new mask and, and sterilize the hands. You can't be handed a mask by a security guard at the door. That's not, are his hands sterile? That, that mask is not to be used anymore, right? And this is the grubbiest people have tried to hand me masks as if I want to put that on my face. Or, or uh, uh, things like if the mask gets damp. You must immediately switch it out for a new mask. If you uh, touch your nose or your mouth while wearing the mask, it should be switched immediately. This is World Health Organization protocol. Yeah, well, nobody brings it up. It's just this mantra of wear the mask, wear the mask. And it's really creepy how many people will just do that. It's like a religion. It's like a a religious uh, sacrimony or something. I had an experience in a post office recently. And uh, I don't know, 15, 20 people, they, uh, they chanted. I heard them chanting, no mask, no service, oh no God. mask, no service. I, the chanting went on for about a minute. It was, uh, I, I really took it in and admired the moment. It was a special <laughs> thing. It really is. I mean, some of like, I think the dumbest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life is put the mask on for the first five feet of entryway into a club. Cause like I said, I'm in, I'm in Mexico right now. It's wide open basically. And I I went to this club. There's like 300 people in there with no masks on or anything, but the first 10 feet, you got to put the mask on and you got to rub your hand sanitizers in. And then you take the mask off and you're, you're surrounded by people. You're bumping elbows. It's just, I don't know. The whole world has just gone insane. <laughs> I just, I saw a headline, a friend sent me a headline saying, I didn't read the article yet, but that the president of Mexico very boldly said, uh, I don't think these masks work. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said, um, or I don't know if it was him or it was another um, local politician, but like these lockdowns are just the tactics of dictators. I feel a lot more free down here in Mexico than I ever did in the United States. Before COVID, especially after COVID, um, they still, I mean, around here, they still take it, like I said, seriously in the same sense that like you got to wear the mask when you go shopping and they take your temperature and stuff like that. But um, there, there are certain areas where you can go and it's like it's like taking a time capsule back to, uh, I don't know, like a year ago before <laughs> all this craziness <laughs> started. So can I recommend. When they try to take your temperature, can I recommend you give them the, uh, just give them the wrist? Yeah, Tell I usually go it. for that. Okay. Yeah, because that's like a worthless temperature too. 
I don't just the whole thing of someone pointing a gun at your forehead. It's it's too much. Yeah, yeah, it's too much. So, what else goes on in this book? Because I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But um, are are you? Do you have like studies that show the the science behind the masks or the history of mask use or anything like that? Or is it just how to avoid wearing them in your daily life? I start off, there, there's plenty of studies throughout about the efficacy of masks. Yeah. Um, and then I even go to the, the easier times, the less political times of 2018, two years ago, where Yolo County, California, there were forest fires happening, and Yolo County, California posted a, a notice to their citizens to uh, be very cautious around masks that there are certain populations sh- that should never wear masks, that they can be very dangerous. Um, and, uh, you know, fast forward two years and you would never get a county health department to say such a thing. But during the forest fires in California, they were saying, hey, be careful about masks. You might not be able to breathe well. You might have a condition that really uh, causes you some damage while you're wearing a mask. Um, real common sense stuff. And uh, if you find 20 studies a little before then as well, they're, they're nice and you, you know that they weren't too politicized. Um, so that's beneficial. And are, are the, these studies, are they readily, they're in the book or are they readily available? Are they still on the internet? Have they been just taken down? One, one study that I cite, um, it's, I, I footnote all my studies and then, uh, one study that I cite has been taken down, in fact. There was a 2016 study in, uh, about face mask use among dentists. Um, and that was really a wonderful study. Um, it, it got replaced with the creepiest Orwellian note that, that this, this uh, study is no longer appropriate for this time and place or something like that. It was really, and it has been removed. So I uh, linked to the Wayback Machine in my footnotes instead. Um, also, also citing the, the quote that was used. Um, but yeah, I, I use studies. Um, a study that isn't included is a study from Denmark that came out a few weeks ago. They had a hard time publishing. Uh, that study, it's got a very wide margin of error, but the margin of error is quite interesting because they say that face masks may be anywhere from uh, 46% more effective at protecting you from COVID, protecting, uh, from COVID transmission. Uh, anywhere from 46% to negative 23%. So they're, they're saying we don't really know if it works or if it's got, it causes more COVID transmission. Really fascinating results. That, that, <laughs> that, is, that is so COVID right there, or they just have yeah. no idea. Yeah. So how long did it take you to write this book and what, what gave you the idea? Was there like an aha moment where I was just like, I have to write this book or were you planning it for a while? Walk me through that process. Uh, in January, I was trying to figure out how to keep my family safe. I was trying to figure out what was going on in Wuhan. I was trying to read as many studies as I could, trying to find as much insight as I could. And Blue uh, Rockwell is a good place to, to, get, to get deep on some stuff. Yeah. And um, once the lockdown started, um, the same day the lockdown started where I'm at, uh, in lockdown land, um, March 17th, uh, Ron Paul had the foresight to write a, uh, write a piece about the Corona hoax. Um, and he said, listen, there's people who need to protect themselves from this, but you got to be careful of politicians trying to use any excuse they can to, to co-opt more power for themselves. Um, and uh, I was writing, writing articles alongside that, that, that kind of thinking. And the more I wrote, the more people were writing me saying, I'm having this trouble with lockdown. I'm having that trouble. What do I do about face masks? Face masks kept coming up. I was getting hundreds of letters. What do I do with this face mask? What do I do with that face mask? And it just became natural that the conversations were, uh, Alan, I'm having this kind of experience and this works and that doesn't work. So before I know it, I'm very handily becoming a clearinghouse for this kind of information and kind of writing these articles that people are, you know, 10 people a week are asking, what do I do about a face mask exemption at work? Why not write that article? 
um, it came out of that. And that's some of those articles were put together. And then I spent another, I don't know, two months or three months uh, uh, adding on top of it and putting that, putting that into a original format. Well, so it came out of that. Writing. And that writing was to help me keep sane every day because I was living in this period of Corona communism. I saw it was Corona communism. I saw it was very clearly communism. It was being told everyone was hearing it was for their health and everyone was getting the hardcore brainwashing. And if you didn't agree with every single word, then you wanted grandma to die. So I didn't believe any of that. And I needed some sanity. So I read Lou Rockwell every morning and I wrote pieces for Lou Rockwell every morning. And, uh, I thankfully got a few of them published. Have you, have you, uh, trademarked that Corona communism term yet? Cause I haven't heard that. Oh, it's, it's a it's good beautiful. one, right? I, it is just, I mean, it's one of those things where most people live their lives, not libertarians, of course, but like normal everyday people where they can kind of avoid the government most of the time. Some libertarians, some libertarians have uh, really disappointed me. <laughs> some of my most, most ardent friends have really disappointed me. The loudest ones, the loudest anti-government ones got the most scared. Yeah. <sighs> right. And it's, it's like what we talk about all the time. It really is interesting how just the mask issue divides people like liberty. It divides libertarians. It divides people that are in the same family and people are finally getting a dose of government in their everyday lives. Like every time you leave the house now, you have to put one of those in your pocket, I guess, until you read your book. And it, it, I mean, it's just like it, it becomes one of those things like you need to have one more thing in your pocket. But um, it, yeah, it just really is unbelievable. I can't I, I'm still in awe at this entire year. That's just how far we've come, how quickly it's happened. And I, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right where this is. This is just the stepping stone to the next level of. Now, now you're going to have to take the vaccine. And mm -hmm. if you want to travel, you're going to have to get like a vaccine stamped passport or something like that. And I mean, this stuff really freaks me out. You know, um, a very wise man once told me his name's, uh, his name's Nick Spanos. Nick Spanos said to me once, um, someone was complaining about something bad happening in life. And, and he said, you know, it's not your oppressor's fault that you're so oppressible. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. And yeah. There, there's a, you know, there's a lot of freedom in the world if you just take it. And so in face masks in one lesson, another kind of way that I say, you know, you can just take your freedom is this is so simple that there's a compliance checkpoint. Bullies tend to work at the compliance checkpoint. I don't know why that happens, but that's where they tend to work. Or they tend to work in government offices and, you know, yeah. I'll call them bullies, not sociopaths or psychopaths or other loaded words, well, bullies. So if you go to the compliance checkpoint and you got to get some steam off your, uh, blow off some steam, um, a good way to do that is just to, you know, start yelling about mask mandates or something. But that oftentimes won't get you across that checkpoint. Um, the bully's probably going to win that one. And I heard these stories enough that, that I just tried to figure out how do you, how do you invoke an exemption really? Um, and I myself needed, needed to figure out how to do these things. And slowly I was learning them and the confrontation at the checkpoint almost never works unless you're a certain type of person in a certain type of place that kind of welcomes that. And what really works in a lot of places, 95% of the time, and the rest of the book goes through the other 5%. 95% of the time what works is calling, calling the grocery store ahead of time saying, hey, uh, I know you got this face mask policy. Um, I can't wear a face mask safely. Uh, I'd like to come shopping today. What do, I, what do I do? Maybe the guy puts you on hold. Maybe the guy's dealt with this before. Maybe you even know his name already. You've had this conversation. But it goes very, very smoothly. It's a very different experience than, than uh, getting yelled at by a bully or yelling at a bully. Yeah. Yeah. And so have you done, 
any um, traveling lately or anything like that? A little bit of travel. Did yeah. you did you have to wear your mask on the airplane or were you flying? I don't wear, I don't wear a face mask. I don't wear a face mask. Um, you better not. <laughs> no, I don't wear a face mask. Uh, on the airplane, on the airplane, uh, Delta is my recommendation. International travel, um, you're in for a little bit of a, a challenge internationally, it seems to me. Um, you can still assert your rights, though. There's no question about that, but it's just a little bit more of a challenge. In the U.S., uh, Delta is my recommendation. Um, Delta has this process I'm going to describe could take 10 minutes. So I'm just, I'm not going to go in depth on the process. Um, if you care about airlines, uh, look in the book. Um, but long story short, the airlines put a great deal of effort into stopping you from being able to uh, get an exemption. Delta, you'll show up at the ticket counter, you'll ask, you'll ask someone, uh, they'll be yelling at you already about your face mask. Uh, well, I have an exemption. I have a medical exemption. Um, no, we don't do medical exemptions. It's mandatory to wear a face mask, blah, blah, blah. You'll hear that from five people. Someone will finally come up to you and say, I'll help you. And uh, they end up putting you on the phone with a doctor. And the doctor works for Delta. The doctor does not represent you as a patient. The doctor's job is to use the power of his white coat to get you to comply. And He'll ask you a bunch of questions. You don't really have to answer them. And it could be against your best interest to answer them, but he's trying to work with you a little. And then he'll try to negotiate with you. Well, I need you to wear the mask five minutes out of every half hour. I need you to wear the mask 45 minutes out of every 60 minutes. Some kind of negotiation process you want to go through. Um, that, that process is going to get you through a lot of, a lot of spaces with no trouble. Um, and then if you need kind of an extra backup option, Something I recommend is a uh, beef jerky and chewing gum. Um, <laughs> beef jerky to keep on your lap. Yeah. Um, and chewing gum just because if your jaw is moving, then everyone assumes you're it looks like you're eating the jerky. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> and that should, uh, that should keep you unmasked uh, through a flight, no problem. Yeah. The flight, you know, bug you. The flight, if, they, if they can get around bugging you, they don't want to bug you. They don't want to have any part of this. Yeah. Well, they are sticklers about the last like three inches of recline that you get out of those chairs, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's just so they don't have to go through the plane and, and put every chair back in between flights. Otherwise, I can't think of a reason why you can't sit back for like three inches. <laughs> we need to get you on first class. Can can uh can we ask your listeners to donate a little bit more this month to get you on first class? There you go. Oh, please do. Hey, yeah, I can't I slum it and coach anymore, guys. <laughs> first class. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because I was I was flying um, from I'm in Puerto Vallarta. I was flying to Cancun a couple weeks ago, and there's only one airline that flies domestically. Apparently, it, within Mexico, it's Aero Mexico, and can't. Um, say enough bad things about this airline, but we were basically sitting on the, the tarmac for two and a half hours for a flight to Mexico city. That only takes like an hour and a half. And they were having some electrical problem on the plane. And so the air cut off and now we're just baking in the sun. And like, it took like 10 minutes of that before everybody on the plane just ripped off their mask and they're fanning themselves with like whatever was in the seat back before. <laughs> Like COVID just went right out the window immediately. And I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm looking around like there were people that were wearing goggles, two masks, and then a face guard over their head. And they just ripped that shit off and started fanning their COVID throughout the plane. It was beautiful. The, the narrative breaks down. The narrative breaks down. Yeah. I mean, it, it, things come into perspective. Like, you, you know, do I want to sit here and like suffocate or do I want to get myself a little air and I'll take like a 0.001% chance of dying or whatever it is these days. And uh, it comes into perspective pretty quickly. Let's take another quick break here and thank our newest sponsor of the Pedaling Fiction podcast. And that, of course, is the Lucky Guy Bakery churning out some delicious handmade with love brownies. 
These are handmade, hand-packaged, delicious brownies that are the perfect gift for anybody around the holidays or for just yourself, right? I mean, let's be honest, who doesn't want to indulge in a delicious chocolatey brownie from time to time, right? These aren't mass-produced in, in some big factory somewhere. This is just a small shop run by one liberty-minded entrepreneur who's slaving away in the kitchen, making each and every brownie just for you guys. And they even come with little handwritten notes for that personal touch that just really puts any gift over the edge, you know, instead of getting some generic thing from some conglomerate somewhere. They have a variety of gift boxes. You know, you can mix and match and and put them into like a gift box. It's very customizable and they're not overly sweet. You know, I'm not a big dessert guy personally, but I do want a little nosh after a meal or something like that, or maybe in between meals. But I don't do a lot of the sweet stuff. Um, Nothing I, I consume has like too much sugar in it or anything like that. These brownies are just super chocolatey and satisfying, but not overly sweet. They hit what they refer to as the bliss point, which is perfectly sweet, salty, fat ingredient ratio that makes something optimally delicious. If you love chocolate, these brownies are for you. If you have a gluten allergy, they have got a gluten-free version of the brownie. They've even got a vegan one that's gluten-free, soy-free, nut-free. It's called the hat trick, and it is a showstopper. And if you're not a big chocolate lover, some people don't like chocolate, okay, Well, they got cookie bars. They've got a blondie, a peanut butter bonanza, and people go crazy for this one. And then, of course, they've got the oatmeal Jackson. I love uh, like oatmeal cookie kind of things. Do you know my mom was hassling me about what we're going to eat for Christmas dinner and what I wanted for dessert? And me, being the stable genius that I am, I sent a bunch of these brownies over to my parents' house like a week ago. They should be getting there any day now. And... We always have this delicious custard that they make over in Wisconsin. So it's called Cops for anybody familiar with the Milwaukee area. But I was like, Ma, you got a box of brownies coming, okay? You got Cops in the freezer. Let's do that. Some custard with some warm brownies over the top of it. I mean, come on. That is living. So don't miss out on the perfect dessert opportunity. What are we waiting for? Go to LuckyGuyBakery.com. Use my promo code PF20. That's P as in peddling, F as in fiction, 20 for 20% off your entire order. That's LuckyGuyBakery.com, promo code PF20. All right, let's get back into the show. You know, those, uh, those numbers, those numbers we get, a lot of them come from PCR tests. Um, and there was a wonderful letter put out, uh, November 27th by, by a group of doctors and researchers, um, well-regarded internationally that, that kind of put their neck on the line saying something that has been known in the scientific community for a long time, that PCR tests are, which, which are effective at magnifying the, like looking at a license plate from, from the moon or something. They're so effective at magnifying this tiny morsel of a of a of a uh, object and and figuring out what's there um but they're very bad for diagnostics they're very bad for diagnosing a condition and um the pcr tests when when they're cycled when they're kind of magnified um this letter points out that when they're uh cycled 35 times this is far too many um even though they're bad for diagnostics to begin with that, that's just not what they should be used for. And the letter goes through numerous reasons why they should not be used right now in this time. It, it further points out that uh, uh, cycling them 35 times will cause 97% false positive results. So if you just think of how much is based on these tests, right? Can you work? Uh, who knows what kind of like court situations are based on it and, and school situations and what counties will close down, what states, right? All this stuff is based on this test that is just, it's nonsense, this test. It should not. And then I, I don't even, I don't even want your, your listeners not to take the, not to wear the face mask, not to wear the vaccine, not to take the vaccine, hopefully, but also to say, you're not sticking that thing in my nose. That test is nonsense. I want no part of this lie. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've actually, I've talked a little bit about that before on the show because yeah, I know they're, they're cycling way too high and I, I didn't even know it was 97%. I thought it was closer to 90, but I mean, I, you know, I, I barely know what I'm talking about any, like on any subject. So, um, but yeah, wh- whose idea was, so even the guy that invented the PCR test, didn't he say they, it wasn't supposed to be used for diagnosis? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's his name? I forget Mullins, his name. Mullins. Yeah, he, he won a Nobel Prize. Um, yeah, the, it's becoming the, more and more uh, less valuable these days. <laughs> only the Nobel Peace Prize, but you know some of That's the true. others. Oh, and the uh, economics. Economics. economics is Listen, you know the Nobel Prize for economics. It's not even given by the same committee. It's it's sponsored by a Swedish bank. It's crazy. It's just it's a total farce. The 74 Nobel Prize was nice, but, you know, it's, it's just a total farce, the Nobel Prize. The, so in uh, January, this letter, this letter is quite critical of a, a paper from January, uh, which kind of made PCR testing the norm. Um, and it says, hey, uh, lots of people have weeks to wait for a peer review process. Why was this paper able to be published in 24 hours saying PCR is the way to go? And the reason it was able to be published in 24 hours is because the authors had such conflicts of interest. Um, one of them was the editor, one of the editors of the magazine, um, the journal in which it was published. Um, so this, it's not this, this letter, this November 27th letter on PCR testing, it requests the retraction of the journal article upon which PCR testing is based. P- PCR testing for COVID-19 is based, which is a fantastic idea. It should be retracted. And then we should get into the conversation of, hey, now that's retracted, now we have no good reason to be doing this nonsense. Now what test are you going to use, Gavin Newsom, to, to uh, turn everyone's life purple and uh, keep the future closed? What's going on, Gavin Newsom? Yeah, well, I mean, it never started out about cases. It was always just, we don't want to overwhelm the hospitals, so we'll give you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. And then, you know, they keep moving the goalposts like they always do. This is Listen, like the, a, the, the wonderful, the wonderful elder of the movement in uh, Lake Jackson, Texas over there. He, uh, I don't know how he always does this, but he made that call, right? He made that call right on March 17th when Ron Paul said, this is a hoax. Be careful. I, I don't know how the, I don't know. He makes so many right calls still. I, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and nobody, I mean, so many people don't listen to him with this. Like, I don't know how many more times you can be right on the most important issues. And he's, he's always sounding the alarm way in advance to give you time to prepare for everything. And nobody wants to hear it. And it just, it's, it's mind boggling to me, especially how many people are just perfectly willing to, to sit at home, just living like a vegetable for, it, it was nine months now. Nine months, and then now they're just going to sit there until they get a vaccine. Does and you know what? Some of your, some of your listeners they might like to wear a face mask. I don't need to convince them otherwise. That might make them happy. That's fine. But yeah. the listener, the listeners that don't want to wear a face mask, that's a different story. This is this is. I wrote the book for them. I wrote the book for them. Face masks in one lesson so that they can they can like in detail figure out how I'm never going how they're never going to wear the mask again. And this, you know, the idea here. The idea here is really just to, to invoke your own your own individual liberty, um, and and that's we don't need to change the world. That doesn't need to happen. One person at a time, the world might change, but really we just have to like look at ourselves and figure out how do I make my life a little bit uh, better in this situation. And you know, there's there's plenty of people who who never did the uh, the I surrender pose at TSA. They had government figured out. They said, you're not going to make me do that foolish thing. You're not going to make me uh, dump out pumped breast milk. You're not going to make me do, right? Whatever whatever foolish thing TSA came up with and called you terrorists because of it. They're like, no, those people, those people have been busy exercising those muscles, defending their liberty for, for decades now. And when the space mask came along, they're like, no, this is foolishness. And you think, you think the 18-year-old kid at Trader Joe's barking at me is going to convince me when uh, these people with fake badges at TSA called me baby killer and terrorist 40 trips a year for 10 years? You think that's going to suddenly get me going? I'm sorry. Call them frontline workers as much as you want. You're not going to impact me. So 
these people, they've been exercising those muscles. And, and perhaps your listeners who aren't exercising the muscles yet, perhaps they might uh, be ready to stand up and, and to stop wearing that face yeah. mask and to uh, yeah. make these little baby steps. Yeah, this is this is the nice easy workout in the gym before you start squatting like 400 pounds. <laughs> you got you got to ease into the exercise a little bit. Does um so does the idea of um Joe Biden actually getting inaugurated and coming in with like a a national mask mandate is that do you plan for that in the book at all or does that do you have a contingency plan for that? You know, everything, everything that could happen uh, is covered in the book because so much of the book is about, hey, you, you got you to gotta identify your boundaries. You got to communicate your boundaries. You got to identify your boundaries. And it doesn't matter what anyone else in the world thinks of your boundaries. That's not this wonderful writer. Uh, he says, he says, uh, I can't remember his name right now at this moment. He says, uh, uh, he who is afraid to anger or offend is not yet a man. It doesn't matter who gets angry at your boundaries. It doesn't matter who feels offended by your boundaries. It doesn't matter. Th these are irrelevant topics. This is your duty in life is to simply speak the truth and to know your boundaries, right? This is it. There's not a lot more you have to do in life. Amazing things are accomplished if you can do those those two things. Yeah, I, I, everybody. Biden, I don't. Biden is more fake news as fake news as the PCR test. If you ask me this, this, uh, this Texas, have you read this Texas, uh, uh, 154 page filing with the Supreme court yet? No, uh, I haven't read the actual filing. I was just reading up on what they're doing. That I, whoever, whoever wrote that thing, I know who signed it, but whoever wrote that thing, that is a, a lover of Liberty. That is, just a wonderfully written document. Um, I don't know about the, the effect of the Jewish jurisprudence or anything, but that's. Well, I, really I nice think like a, a third of the states have signed on to it. Is that right? I've only followed Texas and Louisiana so far. Beyond that, I haven't followed the rest of the stories. Okay. I know there's a lot of talk about that. And I believe if you tell me a third have signed on, I believe you. I, I think I saw that today, but um, yeah. Take that with a take that with a grain of salt, but guys, you never forget your first love, right? And for me and this podcast, Peddling Fiction, our first love is our first sponsor, our oldest and dearest sponsor, and that, of course, you know, is Lorenzotti Coffee, guys. If you have not bought any Lorenzotti Coffee yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's premium Italian coffee brought right to your door by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over strictly their love of coffee and their desire to bring that taste of Italy back across the pond. It comes in great packages. It looks good. It tastes even better. They've got all sorts of different options for you in terms of the quantity you want to buy. If you want to buy in bulk, you can do that. If you want to buy one tin, you can do that. However, if you buy, I think, at least two tins of their coffee, you get free shipping. So I think you'd be crazy to pay for shipping this day and age. But there is nothing better, especially rolling into the cold, dark winter that Joe Biden keeps talking about. Nothing better than starting your morning off with a hot cup of of premium Italian coffee. Get your day started right. It tastes like freedom. Go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use promo code FICTION for 10% off. All right, let's get back into the show. How um, do you write other, other books? Are you just strictly articles and everything for like Lou Rockwell and The, the Hill or Daily Caller? My, my first uh, LouRockwell.com bestseller was in 2012 that was called how to win america for ron paul and the cause of freedom that was a cool book to write and that is i was seven years old the first time uh i was brought along to go knock on doors in chicago for political i don't even know who the candidates were or anything but for in, in chicago it's a little bit of a hobby to to be involved in politics and a lot of people are involved and i grew up 
around that. And I know the political process very well. And uh, I just kind of applied some of my knowledge to, to point you towards Ron Paul. And that's a really cool book on the nuts and bolts of the political process. Um, and then I wrote this cool book, The Bitcoin Manifesto. I started a Bitcoin exchange in 2013 in New York City, right next to the New York Stock Exchange. And you can walk in with cash, walk out with Bitcoin. And it was fantastic. I was a, a happy co-founder of that experience. And movies were made about us and TV shows filmed there. And it was very special. Um, and I, uh, I try my best. I try my best to uh, find a topic that matters to me and that I think might matter to others and to, to really dig deep for a while. Um, and right now, COVID's the topic. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how long have you been writing? About 15 years. My first book came out in 2005, I think, 2004, 2005. Okay. And I, I've always been curious about this because I used to write a little bit, just not books or anything, but I, I do have an idea for a book, but I have no idea how to actually write one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, can you walk me through your sort of uh, creative process? Yeah. Um, so one thing, just like I talk about if you can exercise those muscles for more liberty, um, I think there's some, some exercise around how I write. Um, if I get a good idea right now, if a good idea comes to mind, I will ignore you for 10 seconds while I write it down. Like there's no question. And I just, uh, you know, that inspiration, there's, Writers in the past who've called that the muse to so kind of lean on a Greek concept. That there's some being up there that uh, inspires us. And, uh, there's other other kind of spiritual or religious concepts about where the inspiration comes from. But if if you kind of honor that inspiration and you really do drop whatever you're doing at that moment and you just start writing it down, I find that even more inspiration comes. Um, that's one thing. You may have all the inspiration you need already. Um, and then a second thing is just simply really making sure that like every day I'm writing. Um, and that's just like the biggest joy for me. It's almost like a disability for me that if I don't write every day, I just have like something goes haywire with me. Like I just need, I need a little bit of writing time. Um, and this, I need, it's not as bad as, as this, but you could almost say I need writing like I need air in my lungs and uh, I, I need to write and it, it helps. And that didn't come naturally. That, that's like lots of like just trying to write and to ignore my writing and it comes. Do you think like, a, is that kind of your thing where a regular habit of writing would be helpful to you? Or is that not your kind of thing? Are you more for three days and then I'll be done with the book? Yeah, no, I, I'm not good at regular habits. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, hey, I, I do can, get, I do get that thing where it's like you get that aha moment and you jot something down. Um, once I get going, I'll write a ton. Um, uh-huh. Awesome. But but it's like yeah, I'm like I'm either all gas and no breaks, or I'm not writing anything. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it would help me to write every day, to sit down, even if it's just for like 20 minutes or something, just writing whatever comes to mind. But um, that, yeah, that, I don't think that would be my process. It would be like, whenever the, the mood strikes me, I would just start going until I, I can't stop. But that just seems really disorganized to me. And I don't know if you could write a book that way. <laughs> what if, what would happen if you said to yourself, um, that you want your first draft of your book done like Tuesday and you're not going to talk to anyone until it's done on Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely get it done. I've, I've written very long like history papers and things like that in shorter periods of time. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I don't want it to be forced though. If that makes What's sense. That? No, no, no. You got to, no, just get that out on paper as quick as you can. Like, and if you, if you do have a day, you can, I bet you can write your book by Tuesday. That's my guess. You can have the rough draft done. And then if you fall in love with some chapter, you can come back to it later. Like if you want an accountability partner at any point in this process, I'm not going to put you on the spot right now. I will happily uh, be the one who harasses you 
if you, uh, I don't I know, go that. visit your girlfriend or something uh, instead of writing your book. Um, so that's that's an offer I make to you. It sounds like you. It's very generous. You want to sit down and just grind. It sounds like that's your style. Not every it is, day. But yeah, I, I would need somebody like you to call me up every day and yell at me and ask me where you know chapter six is. <laughs> If I have so, if I know somebody's expecting me to do it, that will uh, that will light a fire under me for sure. Well, Otherwise, I tend I to just kind of put things off, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, I, I was like that with the podcast for a while. I, I kind of just, I was like, yeah, yeah, I should do that, and I dragged my feet for a while. And I think a lot of people do that with, you know, whatever it is, podcasting, writing a book, whatever you're passionate about. Uh, and I, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out what I actually wanted to do. And I, I think a lot of people are kind of the same way. But even once you figure that out, you kind of everybody talks themselves out of it. Oh, you know, who wants to listen to me? Who wants to read my book? And you, there's always a million reasons not to do something or to talk yourself out of it. And so, I mean, my advice to everybody is just just go do it. And I mean, oh, what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Right. <laughs> You fail. You mess up. Who cares? At least you did you something. Win. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Hey, that, that's my offer to you to get your brilliance out in the world. If you need an accountability partner, I'm there for you. That That is a very generous offer, and I might take you up on that. <laughs> Sleep on it and let me know, okay? I'm, I'm, I'd be down for that. Absolutely. Well, uh, hey, man, it, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, this was uh, this was so much fun. This is a topic that I, I've been like sort of obsessed with for the last like six, seven, eight months because um, th these mask things just drive me crazy. I hate putting them on. I feel so stupid. I, I feel like a lemming, you know, and um, I, I can't wait to read your book. Uh, is there anything else you need to plug? Anything you got you got going on that you want to talk about? I think the book, the book's good for now. It's, it was an Amazon bestseller the first week. I'm very happy about that. Um, it's been really popular with, with media, everything from, like you said, Tom Woods to, to Newsmax to, I, heck, I've been on three dozen radio stations now, probably. Um, it's, it's been, the topic has been very unexpectedly popular and I hope very soon no one has any use for this book and it's forgotten. That is my hope. That's my dear hope. Um, that's my hope. Yeah. Well, it was a brilliant idea. Uh, I got to hand it to you. Somebody had to write it and I'm glad it was you. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. Hey, anytime, man, anytime you want to come on, shoot the breeze or uh, give me a hard time for not having my book done. <laughs> no, no, it's gonna, if, you get me, if you get me in as your accountability partner, it, it'll get done. There's no question. All right. Well, Alan Stevo, ladies and gentlemen, the book is Face Masks in One Lesson. You can get it on Amazon. Anywhere else? A bunch of other places. It's Where, where's the best place to go? Where do Amazon's you make the most good. money? <sighs> I don't even know. I'm just happy. I'm honestly just happy to get it out there in the world. In Amazon, they figure out how to ship things quickly. And for all the bad parts about Amazon, I, they make people happy. They do. They, they've made my life a, a, a thousand times easier. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. All right, man. Well, it was a pleasure. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. All right. Well, that was my interview with Alan Stevo. Man, what a guy. I had a blast talking to him. Uh, we, we talked, we just, I paused the recording for like the last 40 minutes or so. It's going to be instantaneous to you guys, but Man, just had a blast talking to that guy. He's a lot of fun, has a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff that he's into. We are going to um, not only is he going to be my motivational book writing coach, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I'm going to have him back on to talk about Bitcoin because um, he, he is a, a big proponent of Bitcoin, but he's not like one of these crazy fucking ideologues that uh, you know, Bitcoin's going to $40 million in the next three months or something like that. So um, sometime in the, maybe in the next couple of weeks, I don't know, I'm going to have Justin set it up, but he, he's going to be back on. We're going to do a Bitcoin uh, episode. It'll be sort of like a Bitcoin gold kind of thing. And uh, just, man, just all around great guy. I had a blast talking to him. I'm so glad uh, he asked me to come on because um, love the topic. 
I think the book is going to be pretty great. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Buy his book, Face Masks in One Lesson. So none of us have to do these stupid fucking mask things ever again. And if you want to become a supporting listener of the show, so I never have to slum it and coach, go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and you can support the show monetarily from there. You can give as little as a dollar a month. You can give a dollar one time. Um, there, there's all sorts of different payment options there. Every dollar that you uh, donate to the show goes right back into creating content trying to increase our reach. I do need to pump our numbers up here and you know, the higher our numbers get, the better our guests will be. And the, you know, just the, the more effect of spreading Liberty I can have. So um, yeah, that's about it. If you guys can do all that for me, I will be back on Thursday next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. 